Ah, welcome in to Ravens Recap, where you, like us, are probably still a bit bummed from the Ravens not being able to come away with a victory on Monday night against an opponent that, on paper, looked very similar to the Miami Dolphins two years ago, the Bills the year before that. You can keep going on. It looked, on paper, like it should have been an easy win for the Ravens, but that's why they play the games and don't just write up the standings before the season starts. Long season ahead, but this one was definitely a disappointment. And we're going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and what we think the Ravens need to wrap up and get better with a very quick turnaround against arguably the best team in the league coming up next week. I'm going to maintain this was an easy game for the Ravens to win, and they blew it. They blew it in a bunch of different ways. And uh, that's okay, in my opinion. We always talk about they're allowed to have a bad game in the year, a game that kind of goes wrong. We always talk about that existing. And uh, I'm going to say this probably is their bad game, or at least I hope it is. They had their whole season blown up in the course of about 12 days with losing Dobbins, Gus, and Marcus Peters. And then you can add in like having Tyree Phillips get hurt um, mid-game, like early on. I think a lot of things went wrong for this team in a short amount of time. And some of the ways that they have to approach the game changed. Um, And it's going to be some growing pains. It's unfortunate that we have a loss here and then Kansas City next week. We don't have a nice week to like regroup. Um, But, you know, that's okay. Like it is what it is. Um, I think if you're hitting the panic button right now, I think that's not what needs to be done. But you can be upset because I was livid that they lost the game. <laughs> like it, um, my my top level thing is the Ravens lost this game because they lost their killer instinct. They took it for granted that they were going to win, and um, I was telling the guys in the fourth quarter when they went like slow down to take the field goal that I was not comfortable with this because there was no reason to think the defense would stop them. There was no reason to think that exactly what happened ha- wouldn't happen. In my opinion, it didn't look like they had a hand on the game, and you can't let off in those situations. I understand it's like quote unquote safe. You have Tucker, but uh, what's really safe is doing that as time expires or scoring a touchdown and then giving them 30 seconds to say, good luck. I think there were ways that they could have went about it. that were much more aggressive than just, you know, let's run out the clock here. I, I thought it was a really bad idea. Yeah, that was an interesting call. Um, I I, I kind of agree with you the fact of I, I think the Ravens were a little limited in what they could do because of all of the injuries and all of the changes that have kind of happened over the last week or two. Um, you know, another thing that I saw a lot of from the fan base was, um, you know, obviously Tyson Williams had a great first half. He had something like two touches in the second half and they were like, Greg Roman, what are you doing? Which, you know, admittedly, I think it's a fair question. Um, but on the other hand, like, look, I mean, this guy is... You know, it's the first game that he's started for the team this year. He was not even expected to get many snaps at all uh, between the other three guys in front of him. And now he's thrust into the starting role. Like, I don't blame the Ravens for deciding, like, hey, let's ease him in. We're not sure if he's ready for a full game workload. Even in the first and second quarter, I thought he had more snaps than I would have expected. Um, you know, if you look at some of the Ravens games last year, they have a good mix of, of when running backs are shifted in and out. And they were really leaning on Tyson in that first half. So, you know, I don't blame them from, from going away from him a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, the, the Ravens kind of had to make some of those decisions based on 
you know, the the players that they had available, the amount of practice that they had beforehand, you know, and unfortunately some of them didn't work out. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's fair that the, the fan base should question that a little bit moving forward. I do think you bring up a good point with, with Williams. Um, and if, if you think about it too, what they did with Williams and, and Murray is very similar to what the Ravens are doing last year with Ingram and Dobbins and, and, and Gus. I mean, early on in the game, you have a lot of carries to Dobbins and you know, Ingram when he was in there. And then Gus was the closer. He was the guy you brought in, gave him more carries in the second half, usually, to where the defense is already tired. And then now you got to tackle this bigger back, uh, which Murray is. And, you know, one of the big reasons that he was the one that the Ravens promoted among the cacophony of washed up running backs that they were able to acquire was because his running style and, and build is so similar to Gus. So they're able to do you know, he's able to fill that role, even though, you know, they're not the same exact player. And to his credit, I mean, so yes, he averaged 2.8 yards per carry. That's not that great. He did get the touchdown. He ran hard when he was in there. He didn't have the best of running lanes from the offensive line. So I, I think in general, that wasn't a bad approach by the Ravens. I certainly don't think that was why they lost the game. But, you know, at the same time, I guess we could question, uh, did Lamar need 30 pass attempts there? Would the Ravens have controlled the clock a little better in the second half if they had some more set run plays? That's worth a question, I think. But I think as far as the strategy of using Williams early and then Murray late, uh, that to me is probably was by design. And that's what the Ravens have really did last year, like I said, with, with Dobbins and Gus. Yeah, going back to what Alec mentioned earlier about um, not having the killer instinct, I I thought one thing that really stood out to me this game, it's not even so much a knock on the Ravens, but it's kind of a credit to the Raiders. Um, They played, their defense in particular, I thought played with a ton of energy. Um, I I don't know about you guys, but I mean, not, you know, not really seeing uh, stadiums full last year in 2020. It was pretty apparent. Games are kind of like even keeled pretty much most of the time. Allegiant Stadium was like, rocking man the crowd like you could hear it on the television um and monday night when the defense was on the field and some of those guys just played with a ton of energy i felt like um yeah the ravens never really they didn't really have that many points in the game where it felt like they'd kind of taken the energy out of the other team which is you know kind of strange because that's kind of the ravens mo is to to beat teams down in the submission and kind of maintain an early lead the ravens just were never able to get like that three score lead up the Raiders always were kind of in it and they kind of had their energy to be pretty high so um you know maybe that had something to do with it but Alec to your credit like I think that's all the more reason why you kind of have to go for that killer blow at the very end and the fourth quarter I I was a little disappointed in that as well um and then yeah the the drive after that I don't think anybody expected uh Brian Edwards to suddenly appear out of nowhere and, and lead that drive that was that was crazy that was a great time for for Edwards to fulfill the prophecy of so many fantasy pundits. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, like I literally was winning my DraftKings card, and then he had Edwards, and the last drive like destroyed it. Like I was up by a considerable margin because <laughs> Edwards did nothing all game until then. Um, but we'll get to that in a bit. I think I want to talk about the yards per carry thing, and everyone's like, "Oh, Tyson Williams has like seven yards per carry." And Latavius Murray only had 2.8 yards per carry. Uh, Tyson Williams is, is the one. Well, like, just never, ever, ever talk about yards per carry. Like, I hate that statistic. It's useless. And the reason why it's useless is because if you take away the 34-yard run for the touchdown, 
it's the same. Like they're basically identical. They're within the rounding error. And <laughs> um, that's not an article on Tyson or I, don't, I think he should have more touches and Latavius, et cetera. It's just, it's just like an, an overall like thing that grinds my gears about football commentary. So I want to get that off my chest. I think Latavius Murray was so new to the offense. They had to run the most vanilla plays with him, including not really doing the mesh point. And I think the reason why the Ravens running game is so good is not because of an offensive line that's above average, which I think they are. It's because you have the threat of Lamar Jackson. And when you just completely take him out of it on fourth and one and hand it off Latavius and say like, bump it, you know, bump it for a first down. It's easy to have a problem. Now, granted, it wasn't really his fault. It was a miscommunication on the line between Bozeman and Zeitler. And like, I'm not upset at him for not getting the yardage. I'm not like saying the play call was the worst play call in the world and that couldn't work if it was executed. I'm just saying that when you have Lamar, it kind of blows my mind on a high leverage play. You don't like take out like your best, most foolproof technique, right? (laughs) That kind of bums me out. And I just want to like say that off the jump of like yards per carry or not the way to consider this, like use your eyeballs. Like we all watch the game. That's how we should talk about it. And also like understand that different situations call for different things and i think the fourth and one play was a bit of a mistake not going for it known go for it guy but (laughs) just the way the approach was it just felt like the whole game the ravens knew they had their uh their hands tied around behind their back so to speak they knew they were a little disabled and rather than like try to will it so to speak they wanted to play it safe and i think the raiders proved pretty quickly i would say within the first half playing it safe was not viable but they continued to play it safe they did not just like force the issue i think they saw great success going to sammy Watkins. they saw great success going to hollywood brown and they found ways to move the ball at times I think they just like didn't have a North star almost. I think they were taken by surprise by how the game was going. They were surprised the conservative nature wasn't working. And I just feel like the adjustments weren't there uh, or like just recognizing what was working. I think, I think the Raiders adjusted phenomenally. I think they adapted their game plan throughout the game. If their first game plan was Darren Waller's birthday, he's going to get all the targets. Then they eventually stopped using him. <laughs> he was basically a decoy. I just felt like we were completely outcoached. There's a lot to take in right there, but <laughs> yeah, I know. I kinda... Yeah, I, I, I think two things I think I definitely want to say um, to follow up on that. Um, I do feel like that fourth down play, uh, you bring up a great point with where maybe Latavius Murray, it wasn't fair to put him in that situation. And that didn't give the Ravens the best chance to pick up the first down in that case. Um, and if you look back at that play, where that was in the game situation, I think that we've seen the Ravens do this so much in the past three seasons of having a high percentage of converting on fourth down that I don't think there's many people in the fan base anymore that would say that was the wrong call, uh, despite the fact that when the Ravens started doing that, there was a lot of of debate among the fan base. I think we're all on board now at this point. Um, I certainly think it was the right call, but was that the right play to call? Eh, we're not sure, but... Yeah, you look at at when that was in the game. That was with almost exactly three minutes to go in the second half. Ravens, if they pick up a first down there, 
you can at least grind that out to the two minute warning and then you're leaving less time and for the Raiders to score you're giving your defense more rest and even just scoring a field goal on that drive with that much little time on the clock left knowing that you're going to get the ball first in the second half I think that puts a lot more pressure on the Raiders to try and and score there they're more likely to force something and get a turnover and the the momentum that they just got from actually scoring after being 14 points down then gets taken back in my mind I think that play am I saying that if the Ravens make that fourth and one do they definitely win the game no I don't think we can know that but I do think looking at the game I think that was the most critical point in the game where the Ravens did not convert which started and was the catalyst for things going against them um, after they pretty much until that point, even with the touchdown that the Raiders scored, were controlling the game pretty handily. Yeah, I think another high leverage play that, you know, the Ravens unfortunately weren't able to convert either. Um, so I think it was that third and sixth, third and seventh uh, pass to uh, Mark Andrews that he wasn't able to corral in. Almost like of a reminder of that 2011 uh, catch from non-catch from Lee Evans, where Sterling Moore just punched Oof. the ball out. It was very similar. It was just kind of a punch out. Good play by the defender. Unfortunate, Mar- Andrews couldn't have kind of hauled that in. That was also a, a, a turning point. I think that Ravens just weren't able to capitalize on. Yeah, it's 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 definitely frustrating, especially knowing I, I think in the, in the Andrews one in particular. I mean, Andrews is he's got that second contract from the Ravens now. He's one of these pieces that we've historically relied on to make those plays, and it's frustrating when you have a player like that not being able to make the play. But you know, I I don't want to pin that all on Andrews. I, I think you know again going back to kind of what we were saying at the top. Look, the Ravens were kind of in a bad situation with their personnel and not having a lot of people with practice. The good news, I think, is that I think they're going to get better. I think, you know, this is just the first game. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure Harbaugh is probably going to talk to his guys and be like, look, uh, we've had a lot that we had to deal with over the last two weeks, and we were able to come away, um, unfortunately not with the win, but we stuck in there until the last minute, forced the game into overtime, and, you know, gave our best shot. And from there, I think there's, you know, they have stuff to build off of, right? You know, I have full confidence in Lamar and the running backs to to work on that mesh point option to incorporate more of that into the game. Um, I have confidence in you know our pass catchers to to uh, you know continue to grow and, and our defense to kind of bounce back too. Great points, Chris. Let's get into that. Right. Let's start with the offensive line because the offensive line was putrid, uh, and specifically Alejandro Villanueva. All right. Um, <laughs> we'll get to the mailbag a little bit later, but uh, the follow-on tweet to the mailbag was like maybe we should just put a traffic cone out there. Uh, against the Chiefs that might be more effective <laughs> which which got me good that was a good one Jimmy but uh yeah you know he got completely beat undeniable is it fixable is is, is Alejandro just completely washed um I'm gonna guess not and I'm gonna say he's not completely washed because I want to believe that the Ravens we were talking about this before you joined the call Peter I want to believe that the Ravens have the defensive players to have known this going into the game and that if he was that big of a liability in practice, they wouldn't have been just leaving him stranded by himself to figure it out against that kind of edge rush. Um, I think they were kind of surprised by it, and they were slow to adjust. Um, and I think as he gets more comfortable playing that position and gets the chemistry with the rest of the linemen, we'll see that greatly improve. I, I, I 
don't think we need to be completely worried that he's just like the disaster. But I do think if it doesn't get better soon, you're going to keep losing games. It's it's absolutely critical to us being a, a playoff team, him getting better. Uh, and, and the whole offensive line. I mean, it's not just him. There was a couple um, miscommunications. I think there's a lot for the Ravens to unpack there. Also, a little bit of follow-up that kind of came out recently. Tyree Phillips is on the short-term IR. They're not commenting on what is wrong with him, but I guess there is a shot of him coming back this year. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, a tentative sigh of relief. Um, As you mentioned, we don't know what the injury is yet, so we can't feel great about it yet. But the fact that he's on short-term at least gives us a chance there that he can come back. Yeah, as far as Villanueva and whether he can fix it, it it is interesting that you know we talked about it with um, with Jason as to you know and his take that that Tyree Phillips should we would like him to kind of stay at right guard. I mean, sorry, right tackle, and we were pretty much all in agreement when we were discussing that. And you know, the, the team does have Ben Powers. Who, does Powers have limitations to his game? Sure, but the need to sign Villanueva was always a little bit of a head scratcher. And I I am a little confused as to if the coaching staff was taken aback by this or not. I mean, I recall listening to Mike Preston on the radio back in when training camp was starting. And he was talking about how Villanueva was having major difficulty in pass protection drills when he was going against Oway and and even Ferguson. Ferguson was giving him fits. Uh, so, I mean, unless, you know, that's secondhand information, you know, I, I don't, didn't see the tape that, that Preston saw in person. But, you know, if that was the case, that young Raiders defensive line was better than we gave them credit for going into this game. Are they as good as what we saw? I don't think so. But they definitely have talent there. And... Crosby, very athletic. He was just running circles around Villanueva. And yeah, that's still a question for me as to what the coaching staff was expecting, seeing how Villanueva did in camp against your own guys. And then they must have seen this guy's athleticism on tape. And the scheme the scheme was a, was a bit of a head scratcher there. Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think with uh, Phillips' injury, I think the Ravens are kind of in a bad spot. You know, the other thing to mention, too, is that, you know, uh, I mean, I agree with you guys. Villanueva was by far the worst player, I think, on the field yesterday. No questions there. Um, I mean, there were just some plays that just like it it, it almost looked like he could never get set. It it was like he would set his feet and then immediately the defender would just kind of have him off balance. And sometimes he would just fall over, just get get knocked around like like it was bad. It was definitely bad. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind too, is I think what made it worse was that Ronnie Stanley wasn't that much better. Certainly he did not look like the all pro player that he was before his injury. Um, he didn't like, I mean, he made Nagakwe look pretty good. Um, I think him (laughs) and Crosby were both kind of like switching sides and, you know, Stanley was a little bit better, but not really that much better. Uh, It looked like he just didn't have his normal speed. Um, I think he was a little bit slow out of his breaks and just couldn't kind of get set as quickly or move his feet as quickly as he would like. Um, so I think that really, really contributed to some of the problems that we have, just Lamar not being able to step up in the pocket or, you know, he just had a guy just kind of rush behind him and he didn't have time to escape. 
So, you know, I'd, I'd say in general, just, you know, I would expect Ronnie Stanley to be able to get back to form. That's not a guarantee at this point, but um, I, I think if he were to get, you know, back to form quickly, I think the rest of the line did okay enough um, so that, you know, Villanueva, we can figure out what to do with him. But if the Ravens continue to have tackle problems on both sides, it's, it's not going to look good. Um, I, I think Lamar needs at least you know, one of those guys to be able to escape, right? I mean, he can, he showed that he could escape up in the pocket sometimes, but um, I think it's much better when he has an alley to kind of escape to his left and right, left or right, either one, you know, because he can just make things happen with his feet. Let's talk about Lamar too. Um, I don't know if he was trying to incorporate pump fakes into his game, but I think we saw like uh, all the pump fakes in that game were more than the pump fakes he's ever done as a Raven (laughs) previously. I, I, I don't know if he's trying to make that a thing or if he was just being indecisive. Based on how things went on those plays, I'm going to go with indecisive. <laughs> also, because his pump fakes looked very aggressive. <laughs> like, <laughs> like kind of screwing up his base in order to do it, right? Uh, I, I just didn't know what was going on there. And I don't know if it was the pass rush. I don't know if it was the routes being run just resulted in uh, you know a surprise for him. The coverages were not what he expected at the pre-snap reads. It just looked like he was off his game and never got in that rhythm that we like to see really i I was gonna say i thought lamar you know as a whole kind of looked okay i mean the only problem i think i have with him is just um protecting the football i think um usually he's pretty good about that but again kind of the pressures and we're um i I think maybe forcing him to you know be a little bit more uh, loose with the football but if he cleans those up you know you take away those two turnovers i think the ravens are are definitely uh Definitely more in the game, maybe perhaps winning the game. Obviously, I think that second fumble was kind of the end of you know the the complete nail in the coffin. But uh, in general, I thought Lamar looked he looked pretty good. I feel like he looked more confident throwing. Um, he was making some underneath routes. He hit a couple over the top. I, I think even the commentators had mentioned like his base looked wider, so he was making more accurate throws. In general, like I think it's good. I mean, I think if we can figure out the offensive line situation, I think Lamar will definitely look better as a passer this year. I mean, even if you look at his, I think his completions were 19 for 30. That's not so bad. Still generally efficient. Would he like to have a few more throws? Like, yes. Um, but, you know, a few of them are drops from the receivers. So there's that too. Let me better articulate what I was trying to say. Um, when he was on schedule, when the line gave him a pocket at all, it was the best Lamar we've ever seen. Great passes. Definite improvement there. Um, I th- I just felt like his improvisation when things went wrong seemed more frantic than normal. It just seemed like when, uh, you know, a pass rush was coming at him, sometimes he would just, you know, like you were saying, like he would just step up or he would have a, a clear way. Like he just seemed to be overwhelmed sometimes. And maybe that was just because both sides had problems and he wasn't able to to pull off his magician tricks. Um, but yeah, I, I just think the pump fakes and also just like, like just the way that they physically looked was a little concerning as well as just when the play broke down, it wasn't as smooth. And um, I mean, shoot, man, that Lamar rollout touchdown throw to Hollywood was like exactly the kind of play that makes him so special. And um, when he just stood in the pocket and delivered uh, that pass to Watkins down the field, was was beautiful like there's a lot of uh a lot of really positive things to pull from his game i'm not saying that he was playing like i'm not trying to say that he was playing worse or i I had concerns about that it was just more so it it just seemed like he was a little indecisive at first and also when 
pressure hang. He wasn't as... Yeah, yeah I, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I think it was kind of a little bit of the both for me. Um, I agree. Like like you said, the, the rollout to Hollywood is Lamar on his absolute A game. Uh, the pass to Watkins, which according to Next Gen Stats, when Watkins uh, ran that route, they clocked him at 21.05 miles per hour, which was the second fastest uh, ball carrier of the week, according to them, behind only the known everywhere for his super speed Melvin Gordon on his 70 yard rush touchdown, (laughs) (laughs) which was pretty shocking. But (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, there were, there were plays and I think they stick out more in these games where you're going up against a defense that over the past few seasons hasn't been very good. They don't have many household names. You're not expecting Lamar to have trouble. So when he has a play where he messes up something that, that looks like it should be a pretty, simple read um i think it sticks out more um on the first drive he had it was like second and 15 i believe he had mark andrews wide open in the middle and he was he was looking at andrews to go for him then he did one of those pump fakes like alec was saying tried to look deep and then eventually threw it too late to andrews and that fell to his side Uh, then there was another play uh in the third quarter i believe it was a third down play again you know, Andrews was there on the curl route in the middle of the field that looked like that was the primary read. But then Lamar saw that Tyson Williams was out in the flat, very close to the first down marker with more room to run mm-hmm. uh, than than Andrews had. And he seemed to, to see that a little late and uh, didn't have good form there and threw the ball behind Williams and the, the down wasn't completed. Quarterbacks, I mean, you know, there, there's always going to be plays they're not going to make, but I think it, like we said, it, it kind of stuck out a little more because we were expecting Lamar to come out and to be like, okay, like week one, 2019, week nine, week one, 2020, where he came out and had zero issues against Miami and Cleveland, respectively. Um, and that that wasn't the case this this time. This was the first loss the Ravens had had on opening day since 2015, and quite honestly, all the games since then and before that were last night's game or two nights ago's game were blowouts so (laughs) part of it might have been that and part of it might have been yeah there's there's some times where he was just trying to do too much in both the passing game and a little more obviously in the rushing game when he had the two fumbles i think we have just one more thing i guess just to mention as like a positive takeaway hollywood i thought you know, I, I'm, I feel comfortable saying his name, like saying Hollywood and not Marquise this time. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, he looked he looked great. I mean, he looked like he kind of continued where he left off last playoffs. Um, he was productive in the underneath routes. Um, that touchdown of kind of like staying with Lamar and staying in the back of the end zone, being open. I was telling the guys in the group chat um, that Marquise is a uh, surprisingly good red zone target for Lamar, um, which is crazy to think about given his size, but... Yeah, I thought he was productive. Sammy Watkins also, like, pretty productive. Um, he had a couple of great uh, catches. One of them, I think, was that third and sixth play in the first quarter to extend the drive was really great. And then, obviously, that, like, 40-some yard uh, catch he got later in the second half. Uh, he looks like a good pickup. So, um, knock on wood, as long as those guys stay healthy, uh, I think Lamar's got two legit uh, passing options already. And the third's coming, dude. The third's uh, getting his wings. Uh, Rashad Bateman, man. Yeah, I after seeing those two play... You give me a Rashad Bateman in this offense. Oh, man, we're going to be cooking. I think as long as they stay healthy, like you said, 
and they come back. As long as we just get in the playoffs, I don't even care how it goes. We're going to be a force. I, I'm I'm very bullish. Uh, Hollywood does look like you said those last like five six games of the season where he was just playing really well. That's that seems like maybe that's him now. That, that'd be awesome, right? Like if that is him, that's like the first round pick you spent. I don't think you're mad about that player. No. Um, yeah, definitely. Not. Yeah, and like I mean, he like the, the, he broke that guy's ankles. Like on that comeback route, yo, like. <laughs> He sold it so good, like it was. It was just those are the plays where he's going to be deadly. Because then you know he does a double move off that, you know, after they get some film on it as a touchdown. You know, like it's. I mean, no one's catching him. Uh, so there's there's a lot to be excited about about that player. Sammy Watkins, I think, was was better than advertised. But you know, Sammy Watkins on week one is is Superman. Uh, I was so about to say that <laughs> we gotta we gotta be careful. Um, which which to my uh, go back to the killer instinct. If you know that about Sammy Watkins, the Lizard King, like just give it to him. <laughs> like <laughs> he'll say, he'll save the game. No, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, good point. I'm glad we brought that up before we we wrapped up with the offense. I, I think these wide receivers are a real deal. I'm a little upset that we didn't see more from Prochet. Uh, it seems like they're um, you know using more Duvernay in those snaps. Zero Tylen Wallace. Tylen Wallace had a great game um, from a special teams perspective, in my opinion. I thought he made a good play there, and I was I was saying like they should give him some plays. Uh, you know, he loves that right hash. So like, <laughs> go get uh, some plays there. But I don't know. It's kind of frustrating. I don't. I just don't know what the Ravens are quite doing with all these wide receivers. Like, wide receivers are really weird position because they have like six of them. They all seem to have a like couple qualities that might be quite useful in a game. But in reality, they really only play four of them. And <laughs> I don't know why you keep them all in the roster at that point like you know like i understand they play special teams but like they're there they have something that they can bring i'm kind of surprised they don't get more snaps i think you just have too many tight ends to put on the field right um or i mean in this case i guess a running back you'll probably keep but i mean the ravens aren't going to go five wide and have five receivers right why not they're going to go at best they go four wide with andrews um why not I'm just saying, why not? Like, I mean, well, why not? Because Villanueva and Stanley looked like hot garbage. So but if you're gonna Lamar run rounds with, if you're gonna run rounds with them anyways, like, what difference does it make? Like, there's been plenty of times where they had only five people blocking, like the line blocking, yeah. and then they had five people running routes. I, I don't. Maybe they have to uh, come at you a little different because you might bring a blocker, might keep a blocker, but I don't know. Like, I don't. I, I just, I, I find it interesting that. We see like flashes from these players in preseason. I understand the competition's different, but like the zero attempt to like get them involved and give them a chance against the big boys kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit. Let's talk about a player that did get a chance to play with the big boys. Adafi Owe, first round pick, uh, might be one of the, the shining stars of this otherwise uh, sad game. Man, that kid looked good. He did. He looked so good that the ESPN uh, announcers at one point prematurely saw the future and that the Ravens <laughs> fans love him in Baltimore, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. They, um, gosh, I was watching it with, uh, with, with Alice, and when they said that, she was just like, who is that guy? I don't recognize him. I was like, <laughs> that was their second first round pick this draft, making his rookie debut. <laughs> and there's a lot of Ravens fans who questioned that pick. So that was a very interesting call by the ESPN crew there. But I mean, I think, you know, after this game and, and coming up, 
there's a lot to like about this guy. The Ravens used him. He was set the edge great. They had a drop Josh Jacobs early in the first quarter for a loss. He had the sack, obviously. So much was made about the fact that he had a low sack total at Penn State. There you go. He got his first sack in the NFL in week one. Different scheme, you know, but he's still an athlete. So that, that doesn't matter what he did in college. And if you looked at, if you rewatch the game, you see on that last play where uh, Deshaun Elliott's helmet uh, defended the end zone and the ball was able to fall into Averett's lap. Who was the rusher who was closest to Carr who was hurrying that throw? It was Owe. Uh, you couldn't have asked for a better game from him. Um, and, he, you know, the Ravens may have finally found a new pass rusher in the mold of of Suggs and and Boulware and that is getting way ahead uh, of schedule I know because it's just one game and there's definitely things he needs to clean up with his technique and other uh, parts of his game but yeah he looks he looked like a first round pick on Monday night yeah that's I I think that's kind of like a a silver lining I have to look at and I think other people should kind of keep this in mind right of like after that game would you like? Would you want to have Orlando Brown at the right tackle? Yes, Every, like you know, everyone would say yes to that. But would you give up Odafe Owe to have him back? And that I think is a little bit more interesting. I, I think the Ravens did make the right call, and then being able to get Owe for that, I think it's going to pay off in the long run. It's just going to feel a little difficult, probably for the next couple of weeks, uh, unless Villanueva really uh, turns things around. I, I was super excited for OA, man. I mean, just the the speed that he had coming off the edge. Um, I mean, he was going around Alex Leatherwood and I think Cold Miller, the left tackle, almost all the time kind of getting around the pocket. I was just waiting for him to kind of put a move inside to kind of combo that with his speed around the edge to be able to go back in and get the sack. And he finally did on that one sack. I think it was in the second quarter. Was was I think that was when it was. Um, and he finally got Carr down. Um, I was just I was waiting for that move, man, just to come in because I know that he as soon as he puts that together, he's going to be able to get it, those tackles who are just having a real hard time dealing with his speed. Yeah, so I, I I'm really looking forward to to seeing what's next from him. I, I thought his snap count was relatively high. I think, um, given everything considered, I I I remember seeing a comment from somebody saying like he should have played more, and they're like, look, he played a lot of snaps for a rookie. Like this is not. Uh, common for uh, Ravens rookie defenders to get that many snaps. I think Queen was probably an exception last year at the Mike spot, but um, particularly for an edge rusher, this doesn't really happen very often. So the Ravens are already pretty confident with him. So, you know, I think they're excited to see what's next, and I think the fan base should be too. Yeah, Houston had 56, Bowser 51, and OA 48. Um, so that tells you all you need to know. They were yeah. very confident using him. Yeah. That was 56% of snaps. Uh, OA had good... Um, Run defense as well. Everyone was saying that might be a place he could contribute right away is his run defense. You saw that in this game. And um, so glad you brought it up, Peter. When he brought that rush, instigated the interception to keep us in the game. This is a classic, you know, use your eyes, people, right? Like, it's so easy to say, like, oh, I don't like this pick. He had no sacks. Well, did you ever watch him? Like, you know, like, you know, we all watch. Like, if you're listening to this podcast, you definitely, I'm not saying you're the person, right? But, like, you watch the games. Like, when you see that kind of talent and the way he disrupts, like that's good. You know, that's, that is exactly the kind of things you need. Like, I don't care if he, uh, sacks him in a way, if he sacked him, that's not, that's not useful. The interception was much more useful. Um, so, you know, kudos to him. 
for uh, you know being a, a high quality player. You know, I'm I'm really excited about him. Yeah, can we talk about that series for a second though? With that interception they ever in the end zone. So uh, <laughs> just a crazy series of plays. Raiders get down into the end zone seemingly game game over right and so they review it and they're like no he was down at the half yard line i tell alec in our group chat at this point i'm just like i want to go to bed <laughs> let the game be over they're not going to do anything they're not going to overturn this the ravens are just going to let it up it's just like it's not our day let's move move on and alec is like no you have to believe we got to keep believing in this never team. surrender never quit never <laughs> surrender and what do you know man they get the pick on that and they get the ball. Unfortunately, it's it's for naught. And you know, spoiler alert: the Ravens lost the game anyway later on. But um, <laughs> I thought that, that was like one of the more like one of the most uh, improbable uh, I think outcomes uh, for that in particular. I, I think you know, even though the defense was kind of up and down, like they looked really good in the first quarter. Um, in the second half, they didn't look so good. But for that one series. Um, to get the to keep the Raiders out of the end zone, I think uh, they should be proud of that for sure. Yeah, the ending of that game I think was the craziest uh, Ravens game I can remember since probably the 2013 game against Minnesota, and that one was really much more due to the snow than anything the players did. I mean, it, but it just it does show you what fight is in this team. That so Westry he's beat. It looks like it's going to be a touchdown. He doesn't give up and tackles Edwards, and Edwards is just one inch shy of the goal line. And then the next play, the Ravens are able to stuff the quarterback sneak and able to be disciplined to let the Raiders, for whatever reason, do a hard count and get the five-yard penalty. And and they're able to get an interception on the next play. I mean, that, that was after the game looked done. The players were shaking hands. They still got on the field. And... You know, they gave him a chance. They gave the offense a chance, and the offense tried. But I think also at the same time, it's just like, how difficult is that, though, for the offense to to go back out there after you're, you've been watching? You watch the, the defense give up the field goal to end regulation, and then you watch the defense give up all that possession, and you think you saw him give up a touchdown. And so, and then you all of a sudden the improbable turnover happens, and now you got to get yourself ready to to go play football again after you thought the game was over and you've been off the field for a while. I mean, th- that was tough. That was a tough position. Um, sh- I mean, should they have been ready for it? Absolutely, they're professionals. But I, I do think that th- that was putting the offense in a really difficult situation, and it's not terribly surprising that that the the unit was out of sync when they did get the ball in overtime. I want to ask this question to you all. Did the Raiders have success running the ball? Aside from, I was going to say, aside from that one run uh, for Mariota, where I think the our guys just did not expect that to be an outcome. <laughs> completely completely uh, did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, they didn't have that much success. Okay, yeah. So I don't think so either. Why did they sell out on it so bad at the end of the game? That's when they kept getting burnt. They were acting like, you know, they, they were completely unable to stop the run in their base defense with just discipline. And instead, they compromised their whole ability to cover. And, uh, you know, they get burned over the top. You know, you have a touchdown they gave up. I, I just, like, it kind of blew my mind. I understand, like, oh, they're about to kick the field goal. Then they lost five yards. Like, oh, they want to get, you know, five yards by running the ball. But, like, they weren't doing that in very vanilla defenses from us that give you in a much better position to you know cover the pass i don't quite understand that play call 
it just felt like it was uh you know wink playing like four-dimensional chess when he could have played checkers there like it wasn't like a situation i think that called for it uh you know i'm not it's unfortunate they got bumped and got out of position and gave up the touchdown like that but like that that wasn't the first time it happened there was a couple times that um car threw like a hero ball you know hoping that someone would come under it and they did and it was i just kind of surprised that that was the way they wanted to go in this game kind of wanted to comment on that i don't know if you guys had thoughts on it yeah i think also as well just again you know first game of the season you're in vegas it's hot um the defense is gassed i i agree it was also seemed it seemed kind of stubborn it was seemed to be like that was the game plan in this situation so that's what we're going to stick with because that's what we decided i mean that's the only thing i can come up with because i agree with you it the way the game flow actually went, it didn't make sense. But yeah, I mean, hopefully when the Ravens are in that situation again, at some other point this season, they, they do adjust because as we saw there against an offense that, you know, is probably league average at best, it, it didn't work. Yeah. Are you guys, we're talking about the last play of the game, the touchdown pass to Zay Jones. Well, that was one of them. Yeah. They, they, they kind of sold out zero coverage. Right. And, um, and Humphrey gets bumped at the line, gets out of position, and Zay Jones scores. But there was another when he went to Brian Edwards on the on the sideline that they brought like quite the rush, and um, and then he just kind of threw it up there on a prayer, and then he was able to go grab the ball. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess I guess that one I could see that. Um, I I'm kind of the opinion like, look, uh, if if any Ravens fans are surprised that we blitz as much as we do, like you're not watching. <laughs> Like oh. we, we, you live by the blitz, he die by the yeah, blitz. Right. That's that's Wink's mo. And like uh, honestly, I think for the most part, like it's it's fine. Like we like it when it works out. Um, you know, it's just sometimes it doesn't, and that's just that's the way Wink wants to play, right? I mean, would you rather have a Greg Madison defense where you play you know cover two, cover three a whole time and not blitz anybody? Or well, I think I think everyone it. wants to bring back the uh, the the old you know prevent, prevent DPs a defense. <laughs> oh, I mean, everyone everyone right. loved that defense, right? Right. Like, <laughs> do you want that or do you want what Wink is doing? Like, you know, I I, I kind of like I lean toward Wink. Like, look, I mean, there were a lot of plays. Like, the Ravens were successful. They would play man in a lot of situations. Like I said, the first the first half was almost like flawless. I mean, you had so many different guys covering uh, Waller. I mean, you had Clark, you had Elliott, you had Humphrey, you had like all these guys who play on Waller did nothing in the basically the first half. Um, and it was from a lot of, of these man concepts and, and blitz behind them. So um, I'm sure Wink thought like, look, Carr isn't going to make these, isn't going to be able to make these throws. We're going to have guys that hit home, you know, and it just didn't happen on those plays. But like, I, I don't know if switching to something else in that situation would have been a better call. I feel like if, if I mean, I'd tell you what, like if, if the players would have thought that there would have been a better play call in that situation, they would have audible to it. Um, I recall there was a play in the first half, I believe Carr changed the play at the line. I think Elliot and Clark kind of noticed it and they switched out to play that uh, cover two, cover four or something. And it was an incompletion. So um, I think at this point, um, those guys kind of have the ability to change the call. If they, if they would have liked something else, like they would have switched to it. I, I think they probably felt with Wink that it was the right call. They were going to do it. And if, you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, okay. Yeah. I, I do think, yeah, there, I think there is discussion on what the Ravens should have done from a play calling perspective. But I think also the biggest thing there is overtime week one, 
defense's legs just aren't in full game shape yet. And I think just the defense was, was burnt. They were just dead tired and it really didn't matter what the Ravens called. Um, it was going to have a low chance of success at that point. Yeah. I, other, other positive, I guess, takeaway from this too, look, um, is, um, well, a negative and a positive one. Um, I think with Tavon Young coming back, I mean, he's healthy, but probably wasn't the same player that we ex- kind of all expected him to be. He had a few, uh, plays where he was in bad position, kind of over pursued a little bit. Um, I, I think on that actually on that run we were talking about earlier with Mariota, I think he kind of, kind of, uh, I, I don't know if it was his responsibility for the gap or something, but I recall him kind of running across the formation and kind of Mariota ran right behind him. So you know he didn't look great, but on the other hand, look, I mean we got some snaps from Chris, Chris Westry, um, we got some snaps from Brandon Stevens. Um, some of these guys who really haven't played that often. I would much rather be in this situation now where, you know, having to replace Peters week one than having to replace Peters week 17, right? These guys are going to learn. They did okay for the most of the part. You know, you give them these snaps, you give them this experience, I think they'll be better overall uh, in the long run. So um, that's kind of my silver lining from it. I, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, you know, I think, again, the Ravens have kind of had to adapt with what the cards dealt and you know, they just came up a little bit short. Another thing I think we really should talk about silver lining wise is uh, the improvement of Patrick Queen. We kind of saw it in the preseason, but it was uh, validated in this first game. I think he looked a lot better. The uh, hesitation drop back uh, blitz that resulted in a sack was just beautifully done. And uh, he was able to use his athleticism to stop Jacobs in the run game and, um, you know, able to cover nicely. I saw uh, when in coverage once he was able to, kind of close in and, and finish there. I think um, that was really positive, and I, I want to continue seeing that. And I thought also Malik Harrison played a good game. We saw that thumper characteristics. I mean, he he almost dismembered. Uh, I forget who it was that he tackled, but they probably didn't forget that he did it. Um, it was it was a pretty uh, awesome hit stick. And I think, like, in general, he was playing really well. Yeah, I thought for me, I mean, uh, I, everybody, you know, everybody else, like all the, the, the expected starters on the secondary, I thought in general, like, played pretty good. Um, Clark had a good game yeah yeah I mean like again like you know uh, unfortunately the the last play in overtime yeah Humphrey got bumped by his own guy and you know wasn't able to catch up and make that play but I mean uh, other than that like Humphrey had a great game Uh, he was covering shutting down a bunch of guys Um, Chuck Clark yeah I thought had an amazing game I mean he had three I think he had three pass deflections you know almost came down with that interception which you know, unfortunately, didn't go our way the, uh, at that point. But if it did, that could have been another, you know, three, seven point swing there. But yeah, the, Chuck, Chuck Clark in particular, man, it's just, I know we've, we used to talk about him a lot in 2019, 2020, a little bit, but um, watching him more, it's just, it's amazing at how versatile he is. Of, you know, Wink can put him 30 yards back playing deep safety. He can put him on the line of scrimmage coming from a blitz. And even the commentators basically said, like, when Chuck comes on a blitz, he's going to impact the throw. And he did on a few plays. Um, or he can play that, you know, kind of the dimeback kind of role. Um, he just plays all over the defense and it seems to be pretty good. Um, you know, not like superstar level, but um, definitely, you know, kind of above average starter. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty cool. Elliot too, I thought in general kind of had a pretty good game. He seemed to be involved in a lot of different things, um, so um, definitely a big reason for uh, for why Waller was not as successful, I think, in the first half. 
Yeah, I think we'll get more into it next episode when we talk about how the Ravens are going to prepare for the Chiefs. But I think that the Ravens did a very commendable job at defending Darren Waller. I don't think Darren Waller had a good game. So you look at his stat line, 10 receptions, 105 yards, touchdown. If you were tied with your fantasy opponent going into the Monday night football game and you had Mark Andrews and you're going against Darren Waller, you lost. (laughs) Maybe that was me. Maybe it wasn't. But again, yeah, you look at that stat line and you're just like, oh man, he had a monster game. But 19 targets. It took him 19 targets for him to get those, all of that. And quite honestly, like they were in his head a lot. Like he had a couple wide open drops. Um, like I said, a lot of contested catches that that different defensive backs, uh, Clark in particular, but I think uh, Brandon Stevens might have had one too, where the mm-hmm. defender were able to knock the ball away. I mean, if you keep feeding a guy of the caliber of Waller, yeah, he's gonna get yards. He's gonna <laughs> eventually catch it. But you know, I I think because they were able to make him inefficient. You know, and and really, again, we said if, if a, one or two plays went the Ravens' way, they win this game. I think you got to look at that. The Ravens have to look at that as as a success story for covering Waller. That's just me. I think there there will be some, definitely some people who disagree with me on that, but I think overall, the defense did exactly what you want to do when playing a a guy of that caliber with that athleticism. Yeah, I mean, the other thing to keep in mind too. I mean, on that last drive and then the drive in overtime. I mean, I don't. Waller didn't have a catch, and no, I'm not salty about that because I lost to uh, Pete by 0. 0.6 points in our dynasty league. Um, <laughs> but, but a lot uh, of us had I, fantasy stake in this game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I literally tied with with Hollywood Brown's performance. I was like, one more catch. He's been six for six. He's so productive. Give it to him, and yeah. they just did it. And I was like, no. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you just look at that. Like Waller did not have a catch on those last two drives. I mean, I think that's a you know, for, for, if you're the Ravens, look. I mean, if you have Darren Waller and you have the rest of the weapons on the Raiders, right? I mean, nobody was really scared of Henry Ruggs. He had two receptions in the whole game. He didn't really look that good, regardless, right? The Ravens aren't scared of him. They'll put whoever they want on Ruggs. He's not. He's not proven to kind of be that game wrecker. Waller is the proven commodity, and they shut him down for the drives that were most important and said, "You got to have your other." guys beat us and unfortunately for the Ravens like Edwards was that guy like he made those plays and kudos to him for doing that but I yeah I agree with you Peter I think it's just if in terms of percentages right I mean you just have to lock down the the, the proven guy who's going to give them the highest percentage chance of winning the game if you lock him down make the other guys beat you sometimes it works you know you can't defend everybody yeah I definitely thought uh, for our you know, uh, early season stint of top tight ends that their performance on Waller was good. Obviously, we'll talk about uh, Kelsey in the next episode, but that was a, a promising thing. Any other things about the defense before we go into our moral victories, so to speak? I thought Brandon Williams had a pretty good game. He seemed to be pretty involved, and in, you know, both in run defense. And I think he had. Um, I guess it wasn't a sack, but it was a. Uh, it was close to a sack of uh, of Derek Carr. It must have been like a one or two yard run or something. Matabuke, I thought for me was a little quiet. I would have expected him to be a little bit more disruptive on a few plays that I looked at him. I, I thought he was kind of being doubled by the, I guess, center and the guard. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I would have just expected a little bit more from him, but otherwise, um, you know, not Villanueva. So yeah, I agree with both those takes. I thought Campbell had a couple um, impact, explosive plays as well. Um, so good showing for for both the vets, Williams and Campbell. I will say, um, 
when Matabuke got the start, when we found that Wolf was out, I was initially thinking that was that actually might be a positive. I think that Matabuke, I, I thought going into this season that Matabuke was ready to be, uh, you know, a, a starter, and that Wolf was more insurance in case uh, something you know comes up if if the moment's too big for Matabuke. Yeah, I agree. He was quiet this game. Um, didn't get as much penetration um, uh, as I would have thought he would have. So hopefully, you know, he just brushes this off and comes back better next week because we know this guy has talent. He had an excellent rookie year, but yeah, a bit of a disappointing performance from him in week one. I think we have to give a moral victory uh, award here. So if you guys remember this from last year, we try and, and do this a little lighthearted because, um, you know, after a loss, especially one that we really thought we were going to win, we got we to gotta joke a little bit. So my first moral victory award for this season, hopefully it's my last moral victory award that I have to give as the Ravens will go on a 19-game win streak. Um, I got to give it to Deshaun Elliott's helmet. That was an excellent pass deflection off of uh, <laughs> Derek Carr there. Um couldn't couldn't have done the uh, angle any better, any more perfectly to get that into Averett's hands. I don't. That was some pretty quick math over there by the helmet, but yeah, I think that the Ravens have to have to you know do some analytics there to see see what what was it about Elliott's helmet there that gave it such good pass defense skills for the future. So, <laughs> congrats to Sean Elliott's helmet for being the first inanimate object to receive a Ravens recap moral victory award. <laughs> Oh, you know what? I got a great one. I'll follow up with that. Uh, my moral victory, I'll go to uh, Lamar Jackson's cleats. I thought they were pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, the gold cleats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. As long so, as yeah. it's not the pants, I'm fine. Yeah, the fashion tweets <laughs> were uh, high quality. Yeah, my moral victory was actually going to be serious. I just you know, was happy to see uh, Hollywood Brown playing a good game. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I guess if we're, uh, if we're going with jokes, um, my moral victory is uh, for... Latavius Murray, who like didn't seem to be able to do anything to just like have a bunch of people bounce off him like he was a, a ping pong ball uh, as he went into the end zone <laughs> on his uh, one successful run of the game. Um, you know, hey, it was your first game uh, in the Ravens uniform. You weren't even on the team a week ago. So uh, the fact that you were able to, you know, do a little bit is uh, not that bad. Good. Yeah, guys. I mean, obviously, we're taking the back by it. This was uh, if you saw. I did a, a thing with Jason on Huddle Up Films. Uh, it'll be actually weekly. We're recording again tomorrow of our like our picks against the spread. Um, this was my locked-in pick that I thought the Ravens were going to come out, not just from a homer perspective, but like dominate their first game like they normally do. I thought they were able to take advantage of this opponent. We obviously didn't see that, which led to a great despair to, you know, obviously us as a fan base and also my uh, my uh, bankroll in uh, DraftKings. So, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it was definitely a disappointing loss, but... Um, I think, like I said at the beginning of the show, I think it might be our worst loss uh, of the year. Um, I'm not saying we're going to go undefeated, like uh, Peter's suggesting, which would be lovely. But I'm saying (laughs) that when we look back at the losses, it might be, uh, you know, not as just like completely being ourselves. But kudos to the Raiders. They were able to pull it off in uh, their first game at home with a crowd. Uh, In a way, I guess it's poetic that they were able to come away with this upset. Uh, So good for them. We'll be recording next our Chiefs preview. Very exciting game. This is obviously the game that everyone uh, has had circled, and maybe even the Ravens had it circled and got a little distracted from the uh, the Raiders. Who knows? But we'll be talking about that, breaking it down. We appreciate uh, 
the questions. Uh, we kind of got into them, like, would Tyre Phillips uh, been subbed in for Villanueva? I don't think so. I think that they would have kept Villanueva in if he, if Tyree Phillips was healthy. I think they would have stuck out with that. And obviously, uh, Alice's question, do they love <laughs> Adafe Owe? Um, I, I, I'm, like, I'm starting to love him, <laughs> but I don't know about Ravens fans in general. So, yeah, we definitely appreciate those questions. Uh, keep bringing them in. If you ever have more questions for us uh, after a game, if you want us to answer them on the show, feel free to reach out to us. Tweet us at uh, Ravens underscore recap. You can send us an email at feedback at ravensrecap.com. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, we'll uh, we'll see you guys for the Chiefs preview.